What is the Podcast of Matrix? The Podcast of Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. Are you troubled by pop culture references you don't understand? Does trying to figure out a good jumping on point in a long-running comic series keep you up at night? Have you or your friends or family seen a comic book-based movie, TV show, or cartoon and not known what was going on? If the answer is yes, then this is the podcast for you. My Big Fat Pull List. Our assembly of knowledgeable hosts are eager to help answer all your comic book-based pop culture questions. We're ready to geek out with you. There are a number of book, television, and film properties that have spawned worlds of endless imagination and wanted exploration. The battlefields of Middle-earth. The sprawling grounds of Hogwarts. The hidden highways of the Land of Oz. But none are more endlessly expansive than the world of Star Wars. Despite the fact that we've been given over a dozen movies animated and live-action television series, and books aplenty to fill the gaps inside that galaxy far, far away, we still want more. And who's there to give us our fix? Comic books. Specifically, Marvel and their line of in-continuity comic series. Strap on your jetpack, oil up your droids, and use the Force. As my big fat pull list takes you on a journey through Star Wars Marvel Comics Canon. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, geeks and geekettes, to another edition of my Big Fat Pull List podcast. I am your host, Mr. X. With me tonight, we've got... I'm Smurfy. I'm Dr. Impact. And I'm the Pistolorian. The, the Pistolorian. <laughs> I, see what, I see what you did there. I see what yeah. you did there. I see what you did there, and I don't care for it. (laughs) I am better at Star Wars than you. (laughs) Okay. I'm not even sure I understand what that means. I'm not sure there was supposed to be some sort of a competition here. (laughs) Sounds like a challenge, Rand. There's always a competition when the Pistolorian is involved. It is the way, I suppose. This is the way. Well, I have spoken, and we are going to continue (laughs) this episode. <laughs> Without any more wackadoo interruptions from the Pistolorian. This episode's going to be all about Marvel Comics Star Wars series. And there have been a lot. And it's all in canon. It all matters. It all makes sense in the grand scheme of things when you take the movies and the TV shows and the books. It all makes sense. But do you have to read it all? You don't. You don't have to read it all, but if you want to know all about it and want to feel like you are a more informed Star Wars fan, this is the episode for you. If you go back into our back issues, you can listen to us talk about the Star Wars movies and some of the Legends line, because the Legends line, if and correct me if I'm mistaken, is what they call the stories that they are wiping from canon. All the non-canon falls under the new Legends line. 
Yeah, basically anything that was printed, and it doesn't necessarily have to be comic books, it can be in book form too, but anything that was published or printed prior to the Disney acquisition of Lucasfilm. Hmm. And I know some of the old video games are also kind of cut because there was a oh, Dash yes. Rendar yeah. game for the N64, which I actually super enjoyed, uh, but it is no longer canon. I don't even think Dash Rendar has technically shown up in anything that I've seen. He personally has not shown up. His ship has shown up. The continuity can get very muddled, especially if you were a fan of what is being considered the Legends line, like I was. I read a lot of the. I read all of the books and a lot of the comic book series, but most of that, if not all of that, does not matter. Now, some characters and events have been repurposed and are slowly being reintroduced into the new canon, but we'll get to some of that stuff later. And as I say, new canon, there is a lot of new material that is being released. More specifically, there are new novels published that take place scattered throughout the Star Wars universe that we know of, uh, from the prequel trilogies all the way up to just before the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And I think, uh, Dr. Impact, you've uh, you've read some of the earlier ones, haven't you? Yeah, I've actually just started going down the uh, the rabbit hole, and because I'm I'm weird and OCD and strange, I, I have to go from the beginning and in order. As you have to go chronologically. To chronologically, yeah, as opposed to just reading the ones that just kind of interest me. Right. So yeah, I just recently finished Dooku Jedi Lost, uh-huh. which is considered a book because it's sold in a bound format, but it really is just a script of the audio drama that was produced. Right. This is basically, well, at least until this coming fall, this is basically the beginning of the new Star Wars timeline. It starts with Dooku, Jedi Lost. That is the first story. And it tells the story of Dooku and, and his time in the Academy and his his first Padawan before Qui-Gon. And then it you know goes into him training Qui-Gon and becoming a member of the Council. And it was very, very fun. I have recently just started the second book, in the series, which is Master and Apprentice. That's the story of Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. It doesn't necessarily go into detail, or at least it hasn't yet, about how or why Qui-Gon chose Obi-Wan as his Padawan. But at this point in time, Obi-Wan is 17 years old. So it, it is a, a few years prior to Phantom Menace. And, uh, and then I think the comics, the new comics, which we'll get into in a little bit, I think those all kind of come in after those first two books. But So that's, that's as much as I've read thus far. And if you would like us to deep dive into any of these, why don't you head on over to our Patreon? www.patreon.com forward slash my big fat polist. Hey, look how look how seamless that was to go right into that. You had a good setup and you didn't even know it. And I just yeah. zoomed right in. Select the tier and we will talk about whatever you want for as long as, give or take an hour or two. Let's say that. Now, as we've already mentioned, the Legends line is very near and dear to a lot of people, a lot of fans' hearts. And I would be remiss if we did not mention the fact that Marvel actually did do a line of Star Wars comics shortly after the first film came out. And it ran for quite a while. A lot of characters were introduced, of course, being a comic book series, 
based off of a movie that then had a part two and a part three, or I should say episode five and a six. Of course, the continuity is all wonky in those older books. Yeah. Uh, I do believe, if correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Bucky O'Hare appeared, or a version of Bucky O'Hare appeared in some of the original Marvel Star Wars comics. I don't think you're wrong. I think it was at least a green rabbit, like a green space rabbit, yeah. Which is right. pretty much and Bucky if that's O'Hare. not Bucky O'Hare, right. then I don't and know I don't, who it is. Exactly. Like, I don't know if they call them Bucky, <laughs> but yeah, there is definitely a green space rabbit in some of those. You know what? I'm sure, I'm sure that there's someone out there listening who knows exactly what issues we're talking about and probably has uh, pictures of them. If so, you know, share them with us. You know, go to our, our social media pages. Show us the pictures of, of Bucky O'Hare or the Bucky O'Hare-like character who showed up in those old Marvel Star Wars books. Please do. Also, of course, Dark Horse. Dark Horse was the home of Star Wars material for uh, forever, mm-hmm. for de- over a decade at least. And there was so much produced from Dark Horse that some of the stories that they put out, I feel, deserved some sort of an adaptation, either on television or in film. Dark Empire. Oh man! Wow. Both of uh, them, Dark Empire 1 and, and 2. And 2, and 2, yeah. It's sad that we have to uh, ignore, not forget, but ignore the majority of that stuff because of the new canon. But it's always nice to go back and revisit. And we actually, in our very first volume of our podcast, uh, you can go back into the back issues of this show. Uh, we'll have a link to it in our show notes. Those other Star Wars comics. Mm. Uh, we uh, we dived into our nostalgia of the things that we loved about the old stuff before Marvel acquired Lucasfilm. Now, gentlemen, if I may jump in here as a relative expert in the, the realm of Bucky O'Hare, I do remember what you're talking about. That is not Bucky O'Hare. His name is There's Jackson. Another it's Lupin. J-A-X-X-O-N. Jackson. Jackson. Oh. He has been such obviously cut from continuity. Right. But that was not Bucky O'Hare, but I believe he was based on Bucky O'Hare. Bucky, Bucky O'Hare, O'Hare wasn't Bucky O'Hare was a spinoff after Turtles. So you're looking at like later eighties, mid eighties ish. Never mind <laughs> loyal listers. No, don't no, worry share, about share those covers with us anyway. It doesn't yeah. matter that it wasn't oh, Bucky yeah, O'Hare. For sure. It's still, it's still a rabbit in Star Wars. Share it. Pistol took the time to Google while we were talking <laughs> about things. So that he could he could spoil it for all of our listeners out there. <laughs> if you have fan art of Bucky O'Hare or Jackson, share it with us. But you know what, though? If you look at the pictures, it's a green rabbit wearing a red suit. That is totally Bucky O'Hare. Who's suing who? Right. I, it doesn't matter. Because they all own each other now, so just sue themselves. Spoiler warning. This is your final warning, folks. If you do not want to know about any of the following list, and it's a long list of comics that Marvel has put out, if you don't want to be spoiled about any of these things, and we're not going to give out giant details, but that we are going to give out the general plot to most of these miniseries, one-shots, and ongoings. So this is your final warning to go look at our show notes, see everything that we list, read everything that you want, and then come back and listen to the rest of the episode. You have been warned. 
content set during the prequel trilogy era. Now, when I created the show notes for this episode, I wanted to try to make everything as linear as possible. So there is a loose timeline. These are set up in a way to where this is how, if you wanted to read things in the order in which they take place in the Star Wars universe, this is the way. Yeah, see what I did there? Uh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, we are skipping all of the comic book adaptations of the films, so you will not find those on this list. The first one that comes up in the timeline is actually just before the Phantom Menace, and it is Star Wars Darth Maul number one through five. This miniseries, I started picking up, There's going to be a lot of things on this list that I will say, I started picking this up, and then, well, what happened is Marvel started putting out, oh, 20 freaking Star Wars comics out at a time, and my wallet just couldn't take it. It was just way too much. So there were a lot of things that I had to drop. Uh, But uh, Darth Maul takes place uh, shortly before the events of Phantom Menace, Maul is hungry to get out there and face the Jedi, but Darth Sidious just won't let him. Uh, He doesn't think that he's ready to engage the Jedi. So Sidious has just been sending him on little errands to assassinate crime lords, which, when you think about it, a a smart move on Sidious slash Palpatine's part in the overall scheme of his, his plans, because... You get rid of some of the lesser crime lords in the uh, in the galaxy, then all you have to really compete with are the big shots. Yeah, I can't fault him. That's a good idea. And it kind of ties back to a couple of the things that were kind of odd about Solo, where he is the, what would you even call him? The surprise show up character? Yeah. Yeah. That, like... uh, that Daenerys bows to. Oh, yeah. At the end of the film, yeah. Yeah, because right. he doesn't really have that much mafia tie in the the Clone Wars. He has a little bit, but not something like that. But that would make sense as to why he is able to know the underbelly so well that he could take over. Right, right. Well, it, it does go. It, it kind of it kind of does make a little bit of sense that in the show, the Clone Wars, when Maul comes back and tries to reassert himself, that yes, he actually starts bringing syndicates together to form a giant crime syndicate. Uh, and I like how this miniseries plays into that. Uh, he's sent to take out, you know, Crime Lord, but it's going to be, a, uh, it, it might be a little dicey. So he actually has to get a team together and he enlists a handful of bounty hunters, including Cade Bane mm. and Aura Singh. Oh, okay. name drops. I like it. Yeah, yes, yeah, very big name drops. Uh, for anybody who is a fan of the Clone Wars TV series, you know that these two characters are major players, and these crime lords are auctioning off a Jedi Padawan. Maul inadvertently rescues the Padawan just so he can face her. And of course, nothing goes well for anybody on the light side of things. It never does when Darth Maul's involved. Never <laughs> does at all. Next on our list, Star Wars, Obi-Wan and Anakin, issues one through five. This miniseries takes place 
after episode one, Obi-Wan has been training Anakin for uh, a little while. Anakin's probably about four or five years older than he was when we saw him at the uh, Phantom Menace. I owned this. I picked it up when it came out. And I can tell you this. It was probably one of the most boring series. Yeah. How so? They end up going to answer a old Jedi distress signal on a planet, some weird planet that has two warring factions. One that lives on the ground and one that lives on the air. And, you know, the whole Jedi code of, well, you know, uh, maybe we can help things out. And it's Mm. all about... Obi-Wan trying to teach Anakin that there's more than one way to do things and Anakin not really understanding why these two people are warring. And these people that are warring really don't understand why they're warring anymore because they've been doing it so long. (laughs) Oh, you got a message here. (laughs) And you're you're disguising it with Star Wars and it looks pretty, but I'm not interested. So it felt like an agenda. It it did. It seems it like did. a political. It seems like a political book, and those are boring. There was some fighting and some cool stuff, but uh, okay. for the most part, it was it was pretty political. Star Wars Jedi of the Republic, Mace Windu. I love the character of Mace Windu, and I was hoping that this miniseries would give us some insight into Mace Windu. Mm-hmm. It does not. Oh, that's a bummer. That's a letdown. I was I was hoping that uh, I would have gotten a little bit of backstory on Mace Windu in the Dooku book because it touched on seemingly on everybody else. Even Kiati Mundi showed up at one point. Oh wow! Mace Windu was not even mentioned by name once in the whole book. Now, uh, you know I'm only about fifty pages into Master and Apprentice, so I'm hoping that there's more there. But that's a real bummer. I was really hoping that some of this new canon stuff would address mace and and his background well i think where mace is concerned i think we're going to need a novel instead of a comic book because this one takes place shortly after episode two Mm. so the clone wars have started okay and mace is sent on a secret mission by the council but uh there are no clone troopers to send with him they're all busy right now The, the the war just started So he has to go to the Outer Rim to investigate uh, some separatist goings-on. And uh, he leads a small band of Jedi. And and some of the, well, one name I know, Kit Fisto. I know Kit Fisto. Yeah, okay. One of my favorite characters from the Clone Wars TV series. He gets a lot of play here. And then they introduce two characters that maybe they appeared somewhere else, and I'm just not recognizing, but uh, Prosset Dibs. He is a blind Jedi. Hmm. who is highly in tune with the Force because of, you know, his blindness. No, the last I heard of that character that uh, Mr. X is talking about was um, he was helping a school of younglings escape with a few other Jedi Masters and died fighting off uh, clone troopers while they made their escape, I believe. Oh, during I Order 66? That. Yeah, okay. that was the, that was the okay. last I heard of him, and that's how I heard he perished. I might be a little wrong on that. But, okay, okay, yeah. okay. All but right. I know who you're talking about. He's, he's a pretty cool guy. Like when they showed him fighting blindfolded and kicking ass, it was pretty awesome. So at least in the comics. And then uh, the, to round the team off was a young, like brand new Jedi Knight just risen to the Jedi. She, she was their pilot, Rissa Mano. So you've got four Jedi going to a jungle planet on the Outer Rim, facing off against a bunch of droids led by a mercenary droid called ADW4. Okay. Uh, and he was hired by General Grievous. 
And this, this mercenary droid doesn't care about the separatist. He doesn't care about the Jedi. He just cares about credits. He just cares about money. Hmm. And hilarity ensues. So, so no real like backstory on good old Mace Windu. Uh, you just get some good Jedi on droid action. Okay. That is disappointing. A character like Mace Windu really needs a novel. He does, or like to a really yeah. delve into it. Yeah, year long story, the twelve issue series, you know. Yeah. Or a miniseries that actually takes place in his past. Yeah, sometime long before Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Star Wars, Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, number one through four. Hmm. Now, the origi- the interesting thing about this is it was actually originally published by Dark Horse Comics in 2014. Oh. And then reprinted in 2017 by Marvel Comics. Oh. Son of Dathomir is actually an adaptation of unproduced scripts from Star Wars The Clone Wars. The story, of course, is set during The Clone Wars and is a continuation of Darth Maul's story from the show in between season, I want to say, five and the current season, the last, the new season, season seven, right now. Huh. So for those of you who haven't watched all of Clone Wars... Darth Maul, uh, who was revealed to have survived the events of Star Wars Episode One in the episode Witches of the Mist, ends up getting captured by Darth Sidious. He actually got his ass handed to him in a great lightsaber duel by hmm. Darth Sidious, and he captures him following the events of the episode The Lawless. Now, Sidious uses Maul in an attempt to draw Mother Talzin, who is the leader of the Night Sisters, and is Maul's mother. Oh. Tries to bring her out, use Maul uh, to bring her out of hiding so he can destroy her because Sidious considers her a potential threat to his eventual Sith dominance of the galaxy. Now, Maul confronts the Separatists and captures Count Dooku and General Grievous in pursuit of vengeance against his old master. Now, the Jedi Order becomes involved, including, of course, Obi-Wan Kenobi, in the hopes that if they can defeat Maul and capture Dooku and Grievous, they'd also be able to end the Clone Wars completely. Hmm. This one is a story I have to track down. It sounds super great. Just based on what I remember from Clone Wars and the Night Sisters, I, I'm I just your description of it is super intriguing. I don't suppose Ventress is in there at any point, as she is a Night Sister. Uh, well, from my research, I didn't say anything about Ventress in it. Okay. It may have happened at the point in the timeline where Ventress leaves Dooku. Because mm. remember, mm. that does happen. Yes. So she might not have been involved because she wasn't involved in anything anymore. But because of everything that the Clone Wars TV series has done to enrich the character of Darth Maul, because you know all we were given was hey, look, there's this really cool-looking character, and, oh, he gets cut in half at the end. <laughs> yeah, right away. Right. Woohoo! Better than X-Men did, I'll say that. <laughs> but uh, the betrayal that they gave him, the story that they, they continue to develop in both Clone Wars and in Rebels, this right here fits perfectly in with that. And it's no surprise, because it's based off of unproduced scripts from the actual mm-hmm. show. So I'll okay. definitely be tracking that uh, trade paperback down. Yeah, let me know when you do. I'd like to borrow it after you read it. Not a problem. 
And then the last thing we have here in the era of the prequel trilogy, Star Wars Age of Republic one-shots. There are a lot of them. There are nine of them. I have them all. Four good guys, four bad guys, and then a special. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I was under the understanding that that these all kind of take place at various different times, these one-shots. Or or do they all kind of take place towards the end of the prequel era? No, some of them take place early on. For the good guys, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Padme got one-shots. And if I remember correctly, Qui-Gon's story was actually set, I want to say, even before he had Obi-Wan as an apprentice. Oh, so sometime in between the Dooku novel and the Master and Apprentice yeah, novel. Yeah, so, so, it's a, so okay. it would be something like a, uh, here's Qui-Gon when he's a young, rambunctious Jedi Knight. Okay. Now, Smurfy, you said you owned all these? Yep. I, I assume you read them as well? Nope. R- wrong, <laughs> wrong again. <laughs> wrong again. Thanks for the call out, buddy. Yeah, no, incorrect. I thought they all were in continuity. So I was waiting to get them all to read them. And then I found out that they were all just kind of random stories. So I kind of put them on the back burner. Like, oh, I can read these later because they're just kind of fun stories that go in there. So Right. They are in continuity. They do matter. Right. They are, they are in continuity. But like, they just kind they're of like, just they're not any kind of real understandable continuity unless you actually put them. It was like, oh, this one has to go way over here. Yeah. It wasn't like mm-hmm. a Age of Republic one through five. You're done. It was like, hey, here's a story of Qui-Gon that happens way before episode one. And you're like, oh, OK, great. So, right, yeah. Right. Yeah. They're just kind of all over the place. Hmm. Oh, he's the- capable of making actual adult decisions that aren't the stupidest and worst at any given time. (laughs) (laughs) Now for the bad guys, Jango Fett, Darth Maul, Count Dooku, and General Grievous all got one-shots as well. And the special, well, the special was so special, it had to have four stories in it. (laughs) So you, you get a story about Mace Windu, you get a story about Asajj Ventress, Mm. You get a story about Captain Rex. Oh, wow. And you get a story about Jar Jar Binks. Well, four ain't bad. Isn't that what Meatloaf always said? (laughs) (laughs) In all of the the prequel era comics, or at least in all of the ones that, that you guys have read or had exposure to, was there a character that ever showed up by the name of Avaros, a Jedi, Rael Avaros. And the reason I ask is because what I've just discovered in, in starting the novels is that this Jedi Avaros was Dooku's Padawan prior to Qui-Gon. Um, and, and he plays a fairly large role in the, in the two novels, but I, I didn't know if he showed up in any other media anywhere. What's his first name? Rael, it's R-A-E-L. Maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong, I don't know. Last name is Avaros. Uh, Does that name uh, ring a bell to you guys? No bells are ringing for me. I'm trying to, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm trying to pull up a picture because when I'm reading those comics, I don't pay attention to, like, some of the names, since they're so weird, don't stick in my brain. But like a a face does, or like a lightsaber, or a look does. Gotcha. So I was, like, kind of trying to scan to see if he... I mean, it looks like that he appears in some stories I've read, but nothing stands okay. out. Like, no real particular story about that guy. So. Okay, so maybe maybe he's just in there in the background or in, in a panel or two here. Or there, I was just curious because he, he played such a big part in the books. But, yeah, yeah. Well, here's another question. Were you a fan of any of the prequel-era comics? And if so, 
what were your favorites? Head on over to our website at mybigfatpolllist.com and let us know which was your favorite. Content set between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. How did the Jedi escape? Where did they go? You know, uh, those are stories that I love personally. Right, because we were always under the assumption that, of course, this all died. Every single Jedi, some of them had to have escaped Order sixty six. Right, right. You're, you you just knew like you're like there's no way they killed them all. Like some had to be on a remote location or weren't with their group, you know, their clone troopers. So, right. right, that's what my brain always said. Our first comic series in this section is Star Wars Kanan. This 12-issue series reveals the hidden past of Jedi Padawan Kanan Jarrus, who is one of the main characters of the show, Star Wars Rebels. Oh, okay. We actually get to see his escape with his master during Order 66. And, and they dive a little bit more into that, too. Like, you see that he has an actual, like, he looks to the clone troopers as, like, a fatherly figure. Right, because like, he's a kid. Because he's a kid. So yeah, he's he's a, like he's his a dad. Learner. Yeah, he sees him as like mm. his bad brother. Like he feels that they are family, and he watches them turn and kill his master, and like it, that's kind of rips him apart. And he's like, "Oh my god! Like my my dad killed my mom. What do you do?" So right, right, wow. yeah, and like it's a really excellent written, like interesting story. And of course, if you're a fan of Star Wars Rebels, it it definitely adds to the character. Yeah. Because oh, he. You know, the yeah. character talks about his past, but you don't get like in-depth stuff. Yeah, like he blurbs it, and so right. you're like, "We want to know more." Well, you get more here, and you understand why he only blurbs it. Star Wars: Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, affectionately called Dark Lord of the Sith, because there are several different Darth Vader series out there. Yeah, there's a lot. In, yeah, in publishing, this was actually the second Star Wars Darth Vader book. But since this takes place right after episode three, uh, it goes here. Uh, it had uh, 25 issues. This is a series that I had to drop, unfortunately, because my pocketbook. I have the first two issues and nothing else. Uh, I, I want to go back and get the trades for this. But this is Darth Vader figuring out how to be Darth Vader. Okay. This is moments after. I, as a matter of fact, I think the first page of issue one is no. Oh, really? The Frankenstein moment. I, I believe okay. you're correct that, because I know there is a series out there that happens like right after he comes out of the chair more or whatever bench or whatever he's on and says, no. And Palpatine's like, I've got a mission for you. And Vader is just like, okay, you know, what is it? And he's trying to yeah. figure out how to be Vader in his new body. Right. You know, and with is, everything that's just happened. Hunting down Jedi. Yeah, and he starts. Yeah, exactly. So and this is this series is what we all wanted from Revenge right. of the Sith and didn't yes. get. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, exactly. This is where we see him hunting down Jedi. This is uh, we we also get to see how red kyber crystals are created because red is not a natural color of a kyber crystal. You actually oh. have to corrupt. Yeah, you have to put the dark a different side color, essentially, to get a red lightsaber. You have to take a lightsaber from a Jedi and corrupt the crystal. Correct. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is also where we get Castle Vader, uh, uh, which we got a glimpse of during Rogue One. Mm-hmm. 
And this is also at the very end of this series is when it was revealed that Darth Sidious, using the teachings of Dark Plagueis, was responsible for creating Anakin Skywalker inside of Shmi Skywalker. Oh, okay. So this is where they they retconned the whole Immaculate Conception thing. Yes, yes. Because originally in the novels, which is now considered Legends canon, it was Darth Plagueis. Hmm. But now we take Plagueis out of it, and it's it's all Sidious. Smurfy, have you ever heard the story of Dark Plagueis, the wise, and in no way a Sith Lord? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, that makes a hell of a lot more sense, honestly. I mean, oh, I, you know. Oh, it does. Star Wars Thrawn, issue one through six. Mm. It's actually an adaptation of Timothy Zahn's 2017 novel. Oh, really? Yes, yes. So the comic book is an adaptation of the novel. And the novel is Timothy Zane going, okay, well, I created Thrawn in the Legends canon. Let me give him a new-ish polish in actual Star Wars canon. Okay. Yeah. And after seeing Rebels, I really want to know more about Thrawn. I'm, I'm going to try to hunt this down in a paperback form. Star Wars Lando, Double or Nothing, five-issue miniseries. This miniseries is is just a nice little story that focuses on Lando and L3 just before the events of Solo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Little mission that they go on just before they they end up uh, meeting Han Solo for the first time. Ah, L3. Never a worse fate than L3. (laughs) Speaking of Han Solo, we have Star Wars Han Solo Imperial Cadet. Issue one through five. And this actually focuses on Han's time in the Imperial military. So in that first, what is it, 30 minutes of the movie? Somewhere in there? Yeah. Yeah. You get to read this during that time right after he leaves Corellia. Yeah. And then that's, what was it, three years later jump in the film? So you read this, you pause the movie, you read this (laughs) five-minute ministry, and then you hit play again. Okay. Okay. All right. Makes sense. And uh, this miniseries introduces Bylart Valance as a fellow cadet who trains with Solo. And uh, we get to see the beginning of his really shitty luck because Valance was a hardcore Imperial supporter. It's like, I'm a, yes, I, I am an Imperial. They'll take care of me. He was a slave. He had to work the mines on his old planet. And it was all about, hey, if I'm a part of the Empire, we'll go back to my home world and we'll set it free. But he kept on getting injured and more and more pieces of him kept on having to be replaced to where he was literally, I would almost say he was almost like Vader. I was about to say he's more Vader than man. Yeah, because I mean, half of his face, he's got a very Cable-esque face because half of it is metal. Hmm. Both arms and legs were also replaced. So, I mean, you know, very cyborg. And because the uh, because he got delegated to a desk job after all of that, and the Empire wasn't worried about freeing his planet, he goes rogue. He's like, well, screw you, and became a bounty hunter. Okay. Hmm. Which will come into play just uh, very soon here. Star Wars Vader Dark Visions, number one through five. Each issue is 
from the point of view of somebody else in the galaxy and how they view Vader. Because Vader is not the bad guy to everybody. If you are a supporter of the Empire, Vader's your champion. Right, he's sure. a hero. One man's uh, terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Exactly, right. exactly. Essentially, it, it explores, each each issue of the series explores a different side of Vader through the uh, perspective of somebody else, whether it be friend, foe, or just good old-fashioned citizen of the Empire. Star Wars Target Vader. Six-issue miniseries. This one, <laughs> Darth Vader is on the hunt for a mysterious criminal syndicate operating outside of the Empire's rule. Little does Vader know, though, is that that same group is hunting him by hiring some of the galaxy's deadliest bounty hunters to take him out once and for all. The leader of this group of bounty hunters is Bylard Valance, hmm. who is all for taking out Vader because now he hates the Empire. Uh, and his ragtag group of assassins, which also features Dengar, hmm. who, if if you're a fan of, you know, deep diving Star Wars lore, Dengar is also known as one of the top bounty hunters of the Star Wars universe. Uh, I think there's also like a female Gamorrean bounty hunter. And a Whoa. sand, yeah, and a, a Tuscan Raider bounty hunter. That's quite the team, yeah. Okay, it was really cool. I loved the art. I loved the storytelling. It was a hoot to read, and I was so glad that it did eventually spawn its own ongoing with Star Wars bounty hunters. Hmm. Okay, I did pick up the first issue of that. I have yet to read it, yet, but yeah. Well, we will get to those in just a minute. Ooh. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order Dark Temple. This is basically a prequel comic series to the video game Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Okay. And it tells the backstory of two characters that appear in the video game, Sarah Junda and Eno Cordova, two uh, Jedi who you evidently encounter during the game. I unfortunately have not played the video game yet. It is on my list of things to pick up. You would think that it now would be the perfect time where quarantine is concerned, but with all of the unpacking that I'm still doing, sure. uh, where moving is concerned, I still haven't hooked up my, my Xbox One yet. So I will get to it eventually. Uh, another thing that I always found disappointing with the whole new canon reshuffle is I really enjoyed Star Wars Force Unleashed. Yes. Video game. The second one, not so much. The second one right. kind of seemed like a cash grab. But the first that one's first awesome. game was really good. It was amazing, yeah. And I'm a, yeah. I'm a little disappointed that it didn't stay in canon. Uh, that's something, not being a, much of a gamer, that's something that I've never really gotten into is any of the Star Wars games. A lot of the Star Wars games that were normally, like in my view, like Hack and Slash, you're just trying to cash in on like the Star Wars title. But, like, Unleashed, like Mr. X said, had a really good story, really good character development, really could do some awesome things that you were like, yeah. I wonder if a Jedi could do this, or I wonder if a Sith Lord could do that. It gets answered in that game. The premise of that video game was Vader wants his own apprentice because, you know, he, he's tired of listening to the Emperor. And he, cl- you don't find this out to the end of the game. So spoil- spoiler. Yeah. But the, <laughs> the apprentice that he has is actually a clone of a dead Jedi. 
So he sends him off on missions and, you know, you level up and you get to create your lightsaber and you get to have different colors uh, where the uh, lightsaber is concerned. And you you are kind of like working in between the Empire and what is the the beginning of the rebellion because you actually meet a young Princess Leia. And you're still hunting down Jedi for for Darth Vader. So unfortunately, it's no longer considered canon, but wow. Yeah, huh. had it been had it been canon, it, it it definitely would have fit into this new way of looking at things, especially with the events of the rise of Skywalker. Uh, it definitely would have fit into the the tone of what the Star Wars universe is, like and has kind of become. Yeah, well, right, right. Well, Doctor Impact, he as you as a player get to pull a Star Destroyer down onto a planet. Oh, yeah. That's when you, if you hear any fan talk about Star Wars and a, and a Guy pulling a Star Destroyer onto a planet. It's from that video game. Okay, all you, right. You you're pulling, you're, you're pulling it out of out of orbit. Yeah. to crash to the planet, but at the same time, it's sending Tie Fighters after you to stop you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're blocking, right. you're blocking Tie Fighters and laser yeah. shots, and pulling this thing using like the fours. It's, it's yeah. So it gets a little crazy, but awesome. Like that's yeah, very cool. Are there any characters or events that you? would like to see explored between episodes three and four let us know tweet at us facebook at us and always important instagram at us i really wish someone would teach you how to enunciate at us (laughs) (laughs) content set between a new hope and the empire strikes back now there's uh what would you say there's probably about a 3 to 4 year period in between the events of Star Wars a New Hope and Empire Strikes Back let's say Yeah that sounds about right yeah The thing that got me following Marvel and what they were doing is the first Star Wars ongoing series that they pushed out because they said hey guess what we're filling in the gap Mm this is going to be what these characters did in between these two movies. And it's going to matter. So I jumped in at the very beginning on that one. And that lasted, uh, it was uh, a 75 issue run with four annuals. And then Star Wars, the Empire Ascendant one shot, which kind of wrapped everything up. You know, the we, we get some misadventures. We get Luke trying to figure out uh, his place in the Force. We get the Rebels trying to find a new base of operations because, you know, they had to abandon Yavin. And we get a lot of cool revisits to some of the newer stuff that happened. Like, they go back to Jeddah. So they go back to that planet, and and they're even told about Rogue Squadron. Hmm. Huh. Wow. Uh, actually, one of uh, one of Saw Gerrera's soldiers, henchmen, whatever you want to call them, uh, the surviving henchmen, is still on the planet fighting the good fight. Hmm. Henchman makes him sound like a villain. Well, yeah, but technically speaking, if you look at the way that Guerrera was doing things, they were extreme guerrillas. You know, hmm. not right. necessarily rebels. They were a little bit more extreme than that. They were like extremists. So, yeah. The second series that happened at the same time, essentially, was Star Wars Darth Vader. 
Now, Darth Vader lasted for 25 issues and had one annual and one one-shot, the Vader down one-shot. This book was almost concurrent with the first 30 issues of Star Wars. Of the ongoing. Of the ongoing of Star Wars. Events that happened in the Star Wars comics, you would get panels and dialogue in Darth Vader, but then continue from his perspective. Hmm. It's one of those books to where you kind of have to look at the books, read them, and then put Vader in certain spots to fill in this overall narrative, which, of course, you know, I love to do. Sure. And then there was actual an, a, a legitimate crossover called Vader Down, and it consisted of the Vader Down one-shot and uh, Darth Vader issue 13, 14, and 15, and Star Wars 13 and 14. It was a simple premise. They shoot Vader down on a somewhat abandoned planet, and Leia's like, bring the entire fleet, we're killing Vader. Oh, oh wow. And it's it's literally Vader versus the rebels. Hmm. Hmm. And and well, we all know that there was a Empire Strikes Back, so we all know that the plan goes horribly <laughs> wrong. Right, sure, Always but does. that doesn't mean it isn't fun. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that, that's how those reads are super fun with Vader. Mm-hmm. Now, a character that was introduced in the Darth Vader book, because the beginnings of the Darth Vader book was all about, I want to know who destroyed the Death Star. I want to find out who this pilot is. And oh. Vader, Vader hires a character called Dr. Afra, who is like this rogue archaeologist. She's like Indiana Jones if he did it for the money and the fame. Okay. Doc Afra gets introduced in Vader's book, but then she became such a popular character, she got her own series. Doc Afra lasted for 40 issues. She had three annuals. Wow. Yeah, I know. That's pretty impressive. It is very impressive for a fully original character to be created and then carry a series for 40 issues, three annuals, and then the Screaming Citadel crossover. Wow. It's impressive. I started picking up Doc Affer because I was a huge fan of her book, and I collected all the way up through the Screaming Citadel crossover that uh, that they had with Star Wars. Uh, basically, Doc Afra hooks up with Luke Skywalker because Luke is looking for Jedi information, and she basically tricks him into going to this dark and seedy place because supposedly there's Jedi artifacts there, and it's called the Screaming Citadel, and uh, that uh, took place in the Screaming Citadel uh, one-shot, Star Wars issue 31 and 32, and Doc Afra issue 7 and 8. Hmm. Unfortunately, because of my pocketbook, after the Screaming Citadel, I had to make the decision to stop collecting Doc Afra. So do you know then what eventually became of the character? She goes on adventures. She outruns the Imperials. Uh, A big thing is she actually faked her death so that Vader wouldn't come after her. Oh. Smart. Smart. Well, yeah, because how do you tell Darth Vader you don't want to work for him anymore? And she's evidently a popular enough character that after the series ended, it's getting a volume two. Okay. But we will get to that shortly. To round up the uh, the content that happened during this chunk of the comics, Princess Leia got a five-issue miniseries. 
that dealt with her trying to find survivors of Alderaan and bring them together because, you know, her home planet blew up. So there's got to be other Alderaanians out there. Right. Other refugees. Hopefully she wasn't looking in Alderaan places, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, is bad puns the way of the Pistolorian? I have spoken. (laughs) Now that's my joke, damn it. (laughs) Chewbacca gets a five-issue miniseries that takes place, like, literally right after A New Hope, where he's sent off on a nice little mission for the rebels and then gets caught up in some politics on a planet and has to save these poor miners. There's a kid involved, you know, and you actually get to see Chewbacca got a medal too. Yay. Oh yeah. He shows the kid. He shows the kid at the end of the series that he got a medal and gives it to the kid. Huh? So Chewie got a medal too, even though we didn't see it happen at the end of star Wars, a new hope. It was off screen. Right, yes, off-screen. They had to get it resized. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. fur covered it up. You couldn't see it. It was bigger than all that fur. Lando gets a five-issue miniseries that takes place shortly before he becomes Baron Administrator of Cloud City. Uh, He's trying to take care of some outstanding debts, and him and Lobot come up with this scheme to hijack this Imperial ship. But what he doesn't realize is once he and his team get on board, Oh, this ship belongs to Emperor Palpatine. Oh, Oba okay. It's his personal yacht that has all kinds of Jedi and Sith artifacts on it. And hilarity ensues. Not where I would want to be, but fair enough. Right. Han Solo got a five-issue miniseries where he's sent on a mission to uh, root out rebel rebels. You know, so Imperials pretending to be rebels. Uh, oh. And uh, he has to go enter this race called the Dragon Void Run. And although the race is a cover for his mission that he's sent on, uh, Solo struggles with whether or not to take the race seriously. But he would have to abandon the mission to win the race. So it's it's supposed to be that that leap to where, oh, so he's trying not to be that scoundrel anymore. And he wants to be a part of the Rebel Alliance. Okay. There's a one-shot called Star Wars, The Last Jedi, Storms of Crate. Hmm. Okay. And it came out with the banner for The Last Jedi. So it was like Journey to The Last Jedi. Because the story takes place on the planet Crate, you know, the salt planet. Yeah. At the end of The Last Jedi. Right. Want to be Hoth, yeah. The thing is, is that it's the story of how the Rebel Alliance found the planet and used it as a a base before they before they abandoned it. Right, right. Even though it's called Star Wars: The Last Jedi: Storms of Crate, it takes place in between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Okay, it's sure. pretty much yeah. I, I it's just I guess it's another way for Ryan Johnson to be like, hey, you know how they find this base? Here's the story of why this base was there and why it was abandoned. So now it all well, makes sense in our movie. And you're like, I think okay. it. I think it's the opposite. It's, oh. it's the fans were like, you know what? what? <laughs> so let's let's make this mean something instead of this just looking pretty in a movie. Let's give it some context and do this one shot. Okay, that works too. Because Ryan Johnson had nothing to do with writing the right. The, well, true the, the comic. And then to wrap everything up, we get Star Wars: Age of Rebellion. All of these lovely one-shots, yet again. Oh, like the 
public ones. Yep, yep. We get uh, we get stories featuring Princess Leia, Han Solo, Lando Calrissian, and Luke Skywalker. And then on the bad guy side, we get Grand Moff Tarkin, Boba Fett, Jabba the Hutt, and Darth Vader. Boba Fett? Boba Fett? Where? Uh, but that's not all. In the special, we get three stories. One following IG-88, one of the roughest tumbling assassin droids out there. A Yoda story, and I think probably the best out of all of them. We get a story featuring Ace Pilots, Biggs Darklighter, and Jeff Porkins. Oh, oh, wow. Love me some Biggs. Love me some Porkins. So that's all the comics that, that basically take place in between New Hope and Empire, correct? Right, right. So let me ask you this, as, as someone who's not read any of this stuff yet. Does it address the topic... At, at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back, when uh, Leia says, so you're really leaving, and Han says, well, the bounty hunter on, uh, what is it? Ord Mandel. Yeah, yeah. I the, believe the, so. The bounty hunter changed my mind. So so does it, does it address that? Do you get to see that story? I thought that in the, uh, the one-shot Star Wars Empire Ascendant, uh-huh. which, which wrapped everything up, I was like, okay... They found Hoth. They're setting stuff up. This is where it's got to be. And it didn't happen. So it's never in there anywhere. Nope. Hmm. Yeah, I was uh, I was highly disappointed. I'm like, with all of these hardcore Star Wars geeks writing these stories, nobody thought that maybe we should see that tussle between Han Solo and the bounty hunter. We don't know who it is, but the bounty yeah. hunter on Ord Mantell... Yeah, because I'm get it. curious about what, what exactly that was. Yeah. Sadly, unless maybe one of us writes it, we're never going to see it. Hmm. All right. I'm busy rebooting Bucky O'Hare, so it's on to one of you guys. <laughs> Content set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. This is a lot of this is a, a kind of a mixed bag. It's the good news, bad news, because the good news is that after the first run of Star Wars books, we get the events of Empire Strikes Back, and then we continue the story. Mm-hmm. We get to see what happens afterwards, leading up to Return of the Jedi. And just like the, the, the space in between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope, this is the spot. The, the, there's like a two-year period here. You know, with Han Solo trapped in Carbonite, there's a two-year period here where we have no idea what could possibly happen. Right. We know how they end up getting back to Tatooine and saving Han, but we don't know the in-between. So the good news is Star Wars, the ongoing series, Volume 2, happens, and we, we get that. Star Wars, Darth Vader, starts up again, and it runs concurrently with Star Wars ongoing. Okay. Literally with the whole, I am your father. Oh. Now the Darth Vader series is all about Vader hunting down anybody who knew that Luke existed and kept it from him. Oh. So it's kind of like this this mystery. He's trying to solve a mystery. He has a 
I don't, it's not a data droid, but it's something like that. It's not a protocol droid, maybe like an analytical droid that he has taken with him and he's following the old trail. So he's digging up a lot of uh, Padme stuff. Hmm. But unfortunately, the coronavirus struck (laughs) and all of these new series, we can't get them anymore because they're not being published. So how far along did they go? Star Wars got four issues. I want to say four issues in. Oh, so very few. Yeah, very very few. Oh, yeah. They haven't even finished their first uh, story arc. Right. Darth Vader is only three issues in. Bounty Hunters had two issues. Yeah. We get good old Bounty Hunter Valance, Cyborg Valance, is uh, wrapped up in uh, this uh, the War of the Bounty Hunters. Uh, and we get uh, Bosk and Boba Fett involved as well. And uh, Doc Afra, poor Doc Afra didn't even get to start. It was due to come out in uh, March, I want to say. And like towards the end of March or something like that, or beginning of April, one of the two, and either like the first issue came out and that was it, or it didn't even get to start. So sadly, this this time period in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, we don't get to explore any further because we don't have any more content. Wow. Well, at least we know that Dr. Aphra um, is still around. Right, right. Well, in that vein, that's where we want to ask you... What do you hope to see explored during the time period between Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back, and Episode 6, The Return of the Jedi? Be sure to head on over to our website at mybigfatpolis.com and let us know. Content set between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Now I'm sure we're all fans and caught up with the first season of The Mandalorian? Yes! Twice. <laughs> what is that? Well, we all know that that show takes place about seven years after the events of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, but so far they haven't announced any kind of comic book tie-ins or anything like that yet. So what we get is what Marvel has given us so far. Star Wars Shattered Empire, issue one through four, and the story is, is set immediately after Return of the Jedi, but then kind of flows months and maybe a little bit, uh, uh, maybe a year or so afterwards. It all revolves around these two characters who you find out are Poe Dameron's parents. Hmm. Interesting. Poe Dameron's parents were a part of the Rebel Alliance. So everybody has to be connected in Star Wars. Just well, about. it's a it's a it's a universe, so there's pr- usually some sort of connection. Because C- when you think about it, the Rebel Alliance was pretty huge at one point in time. So there is that stretch of, oh, you were the Rebel Alliance, I was Rebel Alliance. It could happen. Yeah, sure. It, it may not necessarily be the best storytelling, but it could happen. Star Wars Tie Fighter. Is this the five issue miniseries? The, yes, I just read this a week ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I liked it a lot. It actually uh, does a good job. It actually ties into the Han Solo Imperial Academy a little bit because some of the people in TIE Fighter Squadron were at the Academy with Han Solo. So, okay. uh, yeah. Which I was like, that's kind of a cool little tie-in. Uh, and it does actually just give you the perspective of these TIE Fighters who are loyal to the Empire 
and their personal stories about them. So you get to see the guys who normally, like when you watch Star Wars, a TIE fighter comes at you, blow it up. Hey, who cares? This is like, hey, here's the pilots inside these TIE fighters we don't care about. You start to care right. about them. So well, I, think, I believe they're called Shadow Squadron. Yeah, they're Shadow Squadron, and they're only a group of like five max. Right. Which is interesting. Right. And uh, so. the interesting thing about this is it's about this group of TIE fighters, this squadron, and how they're dealing with the possible collapse of the yep. Empire after the destruction of the second Death Star. But even more interesting is that this comic series actually ties in, it crosses over with the book series, Star Wars Alphabet Squadron. Hmm. Huh. Because Alphabet Squadron in the novel is hunting down Shadow Squadron. Okay. Not only do I want to read this miniseries, but I also want to pick up this novel so that I can get both perspectives. I say you're blowing my mind, man, because like now thinking back, <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, now a lot more of that makes sense. I was like, okay. Like, okay. Star Wars, The Rise of Kylo Ren, issue one through five. And of course, it, it is what it says. It explores Kylo Ren's backstory and the Knights of Ren. I wanted to pick this up. But when I went to the store, of course, it wasn't on my pull list. But when I went to the shop that day, you couldn't find an issue one anywhere. Oh. Sold out. I tried five different stores. Man. Wow. I was like, oh, well, I guess I underestimated the popularity of learning Kylo Ren's origin. And I want to say that the miniseries finished before Corona, the coronavirus shut everything down. But I can't be 100% sure. So... I will definitely end up getting the trade paperback once it becomes available. Sure. Star Wars special C-3PO. It's a one shot and it tells the story of how C-3PO got that red arm <laughs> in the force awakens. We were all clamoring for it. They just heard us, huh? Okay. Yeah. I, so I do own this and yeah. yeah, it's, it's like, Oh, okay. That happened. Well, that was a thing. <laughs> Star Wars Poe Dameron. And Poe Dameron lasted for 31 issues and had two annuals. Wow. I didn't realize it lasted that long. Fair enough. I'm currently reading the first paperback right now. You're you're reading the first paperback. All yeah, right. I, I have the first well, two. And spoilers I'm for you. It, does it end? <laughs> I think it ends. Well, it does end with issue 31. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing about this series is issue 1 through 25 is the lead-up to The Force Awakens. Yeah. Issue 1 starts with Poe being sent on the mission to find Max von Sydow's character who has Ooh. the possible part of the map to find Luke Skywalker. Huh. And, and he's flying with a Black Squadron, which is the name of his group of X-Wing fighters. Right. Now, after issue 25... The last issue, and also the last trade, just so that you know, takes place after The Last Jedi. So it's the hmm. it's the survivors of the assault on Crate in the Millennium Falcon. Poe is telling them the story of what happened to him after he crashed on Jakku in The Force Awakens. Oh, that's hmm. cool. Okay. So he retells the story to Ray and Finn. Where he went. What what he was doing after he escaped the crash and, and all of that stuff. So it's an interesting way to fill up some gaps where the character's story is concerned. Yeah. 
this was a book that I started collecting when it came out. I want to say I got like eight or nine issues into it. But again, pocketbook, I had to pull the ripcord. Which is sadly why I keep getting them all in trade. It's easier just to let them all come out and buy them in bulk. Content set between The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. We don't have a lot of stuff here, guys, which is okay. There's only three major things that were released for this time period. Journey to Star Wars, The Last Jedi, Captain Phasma 1 through 4. The interesting thing about this story is this is literally, and and I, I understand why they call it The Last Jedi, because it leads up to it. But this is really what happens to Phasma after she sent down the garbage chute in The Force Awakens. <laughs> oh. This, okay. is how, this is how she escapes Starkiller Base before it blows up. She actually gets out of the garbage chute and goes to the computer, the main computer, to erase the fact that she was the one that lowered the shields. But it turns out somebody else has already gotten that information and has escaped. So it's all about her hunting this First Order cadet down and silencing him so that she can come back to the First Order and say, hey, uh, yeah, I survived. Kind of gives the character a bit of a ruthlessness. Yeah, that's much better than what we got. (laughs) Yes. Now, after that, we get probably the one thing that I will never pick up because I just don't give a damn. Star Wars, The Last Jedi. DJ most wanted. I'm sorry. What? what do you mean? Don't want it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what a throwaway. We character. get to see the story of Benicio del Toro's character before he got thrown in the cell when he makes his appearance in the Last Jedi. Who? Who cares? Yeah, who cares? There's some people care because they I bought guess. the book. They made right. the book, so they bought the book. I don't care because I find that that character was absolutely useless to the overall narrative. Okay. Yeah. And nothing against Benicio del Toro. I love him, but the character no... just just sucked. Yeah, yeah. I get the idea of what you think is the thief with the heart of gold turns out to just be a thief. But like when you don't write it well enough or play it up well enough, it just is like oh, okay, cool. He's and a maybe character. I didn't even know well, his right. name. Right, like, and maybe no. the one shot does a better job of portraying the character than the way it was written in the movie. I don't know. I'll never know because I don't plan on ever reading it. Sure. To round up this section of continuity, we get, again, Star Wars Age of Resistance. Oh, I see. Okay. Yes, now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. So for this run, we get uh, stories about Finn before he defects. We get a story about Poe Dameron. Uh, He was actually a pilot for the New Republic before being recruited by Leia for the Resistance. Hmm. We get a story about Rose Tycho and her sister. Great. Yay, I guess. I guess I'd care more if they, they did a better job with the character. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get a story of, uh, of Ray and that, that rounds off our good guys. Captain Phasma gets a gets a one shot. General Hux, because you know we, we got to have that. He gets a one shot. Supreme Leader Snoke gets a one shot because maybe it'll tell us something about the character that matters. And Kylo Ren, of course, also gets a one shot. And then in our very special special, 
we get three amazing stories revolving around Vice Admiral Holdo showing us why she's the legend that she is when we meet her in the damn movie. Why she's so cool she doesn't have to wear a military uniform and can wear a private dress. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this, is, this is that story. Tight. Maz Kanata. Now, see, that would be interesting. Yes. I would the, love to learn more about Maz. Maz is an interesting character. I want to know more. And then BB-8. BB-8 has a solo adventure in the very special special. Okay. Well, because we just love BB-8. Content set before the rise of Skywalker. Well, this is it, listeners. We've reached the end of continuity. There are only two miniseries that took place between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, uh, and one of them is a tie-in to a damn resort. Mm. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge number one through five. And it focuses on the infamous black market located at the Black Spire outpost on Batu, but the way that it connects chronologically is they're dealing with the First Order and the people of this outpost think that, ooh, Han Solo and Chewbacca did a job here once before. Maybe we can get inspiration from them. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. Right, right. It makes it makes sense. But again, it's like, okay, if, if you've got to do a comic book to, to promote your section of Star Wars land... Whatever. Okay, fine. Just more money for the mouse. Star Wars Allegiance, number one through four. And this is just a four-issue miniseries that focuses on Leia and what little of the Resistance is left trying to find people to help them. Including a trip reaching out to the Mon Calamari, who, as we all know, were the best shipbuilders during the Rebellion. Okay. It, uh, it's a miniseries about trying to get more people to help. But then, you know, you watch The Rise of Skywalker and nobody was helping at the beginning. It took to the it took, it took took to the last 20 minutes of the movie for everybody to show up to help. It took land. We're still building the ships, okay? Not everybody can just magic ships to appear on a, on a planet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. But, you know, it's, uh, again, it's, I know some fans find the quality of this Disney trilogy lacking in certain parts and i feel the comic books are ways to make up for that and unfortunately especially the the uh, setup for the rise of skywalker you're not really doing much now of course that doesn't mean that there can't be something else that's written in the future that wows us and and gives us insight into something that we saw in the movie but didn't have didn't get any kind of explanation but that, that'll have to happen sometime after the world gets back to some sort of semblance of normalcy. One day. So there's nothing then that has been put out post Rise of Skywalker as of this moment? As of this moment, no. Uh, it, the, the story ends with that film and, and those events. Now, of course, I want to see it continue. There, there yeah. needs to be more stories. Yeah, we're not getting those yet, but we are. We do have the High Republic, which I cannot wait to look forward to. Yeah, I'm I'm like super excited because we're getting novels and we're getting comics. We're getting all this content that takes place a hundred years before 
the Phantom Menace. And I think it kicks off with a novel sometime uh, end of summer, beginning of fall. And I, I just, I plan on getting just about anything out of that. I can't wait. Yeah. I will gobble up that content. It would be interesting. I, I might pick up some of it because based on you guys, because I'd be interested to see how the Jedi Order started and how it became so corrupt isn't the right word. Arrogant. Well, now it won't, it won't be about how the Jedi Order started. It doesn't go that far back. Okay. Technically, when High Republic takes place, from, from what I've read thus far, Yoda is there, and I think, I don't know if he's a knight or a I master. think he's just a Jedi knight. He's st- certainly okay. not on the council. Right. So it is, it is clearly the, you know, set in a time where the, the Jedi Order has been around for some time. We just don't know for how long at this point. Yeah, the way that they set it up is it's like the Jedi Knights are like the the cowboys of the Wild West. Yeah. They hmm. patrol the galaxy, keeping the peace. And that's all they had to say. It was like, oh, it's Wild West, and they've got instead of a gun, it's a lightsaber. I'm sold. Yeah, yep. man. I'm already in. Wicked Wild Wild West. Wiki Wiki Wild. Yeah, I cannot freaking wait for those. What other characters or events would you like to see explored between episodes 6 and 7? Let us know. Tell them where to go. Oh, okay. Sorry. To let us know. <laughs> I, I figured they would maybe already know that they should contact us at our Twitter account or Facebook account. Or I did give out Pistol's uh, direct phone number and email address. So you can contact him. He likes being called around 3 a.m. So You mother <laughs> That was you. <laughs> yep. You are welcome. Anything for our fans. Well, there you have it, fellow listeners. That is the canon that is Marvel's Star Wars comics. Now, of course, if we missed anything, which I don't think we did, but if we did, let us know. You know how to reach us. If there's anything that you'd like us to talk about more specifically, head on over to Patreon. You know what to do. We told you earlier in this episode. So until next time... I'm your host, Mr. X. I'm Smurfy. I'm Dr. Impact. And I'm the Pistolorian, and I've already been renewed for Season (laughs) 3. And we'll see you in a galaxy far, far away. That's our show, folks. Tell your friends and family about our program. What he means is you and everyone you know should subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on every app possible. Want to help support the show? Visit our Patreon page. We have a variety of incentives at multiple tiers, sure to satisfy any and all hardcore geeks. You can also follow us on social media where we post weekly comic picks, breaking news stories, and glimpses into our everyday geek lives. Until next time, keep your turtle shells waxed. (laughs) Your power rings charged. And your proton packs prime. Ooh, what's this do? No, Smurfy, not the containment unit. Right, we didn't even know you were gone. Saw a little you mean to us. Ow, why are you becoming the salty one? I don't understand. Is the quarantine uh, making you an asshole? Yes, I, I need, I need, everyone. I need human. I need a hug. <laughs> I just, I just need one hug. I don't care from who. I just need a hug. We can go back. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut it off. He just.
literally gave me the perfect segue when he was talking about Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Uh, we've already inserted the tone. We literally have not, and you know this. I've, I've already said it. I have said insert the tone. I have spoken. I have spoken. <laughs> this is the way. I was going to say, you always do like prequels and regular, but I'm like, oh yeah, there's also the afterquills. Yeah. The afterquills, the sequels? Yeah, right. yeah, no, no, how dare you? The afterquills. <laughs> All right, afterquills. Okay. <laughs> after well, quills. I mean, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's after pre, it's, a, it's after, so it just makes sense. 